Welcome to the podcast of Leeds First Methodist Church. We are so glad you decided to tune in with us today. The following sermon was preached by Pastor Chris, and it is the first sermon in our church's So Long Sin series. If you would like to watch the entire worship service, you can do so by visiting our website at leadsfirst.org, and at the top of the page, go to Worship and click Online Worship. Happy first Sunday in July. My name is Chris Stallings. It's my privilege to get to be pastor here at Leeds First Methodist Church. We kick off a new series this Sunday. They'll go through the month of July. It's entitled, So Long Sin. Is your life ever filled with temptation? Yes, sometimes. Sometimes even failed expectation. It's true that enemies of God are working to tempt you, even to try to destroy you and every good thing that God desires for you. But that's not God's plan, and that does not have to be your reality. And so in the course of this series, we're going to look at saying so long to sin, living apart from it, and even its eternal consequences. A key verse, and it's a long one, so if you guys want to uh, hear me as I read these, follow along, it's from Romans 6, 13. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Today, our series, we kick off with So Long Sin, Take the New Life. Well, on Friday, Friday's my off day because we work sometimes on Sunday here. So I work Sunday through Thursday. Friday's my off day. And I got the joy of taking my family and one of my daughter's friends to Six Flags. And you may be thinking, what were you thinking? There's all kinds of reasons not to go to Six Flags on last Friday. Did you hear? We're having a record heat wave, right? That was one. Some of y'all know that I had a, I got rear-ended, and so my neck's still trying to heal up. And so as a precaution, I'm not riding any rides. And then I mentioned that there's a heat wave, right? Well, it sort of all worked out because we got there, you know, mid-morning, after, you know, right around lunchtime. And not long after we got there, a cloud came through. And then some rain came through. And it just cooled it off, and it never got above 80 degrees the day we were there. I was like, that's pretty good. It worked out, see? But then I couldn't ride the rides, but that turned out okay. Me and my wife just hung out to, had like a little date day. We just walked around Six Flags, talking, catching up. A couple of times I reached over and held her hand, not to make y'all blush, but anyway, it was pretty good. But being at Six Flags and holding hands made me, th- no, made me think about commitment. And you're like, Six Flags and commitment, what does that mean? Well, whenever you are thinking about riding a roller coaster, you've got to decide if you're going to do it. Anybody ever struggled to get on a roller coaster? It's yes, right? Whenever you think about a roller coaster, as you approach, you've got to decide, am I going to do this, right? And as you get in line, you've got to decide, am I going to stay in line? And as you come up to the station, you know, where there's like the little queue to get in, you got to decide, <clears throat> am I going to let them harness me in? But you can decide along the way not to ride, not to stay in line, not to get harnessed in. But once they close the harness and it locks you in, you're committed. 
right? Once it starts rolling out of the station, you're along for the ride, whether you decided to change your mind afterwards or not. Some people celebrate that. You see them whenever the station leaves, they instantly throw up their hands as if to say, I'm all in, right? What kind of crazy people are those? Others, you'll hear, they're not so sure, and they just, as soon as it starts moving, they just scream, ah! right? The whole time, just screaming, like, what have I gotten myself into? I'm not so sure about this. Commitment. Well, there are things in our life that, even more commitment than a roller coaster, right? But oftentimes we have a choice about those. If you've ever, or thinking about serving in the military, if you go to sign up, they'll say, we'll give you this, we'll give you the training, we'll maybe pay for college or whatever, but it takes a commitment. If you sign up, it takes usually at least a two-year commitment, maybe longer, depending on what role. If you buy a house and borrow money, the mortgage takes a commitment at least usually 15 years or maybe up to 30 years of a monthly payment to pay off that house. And if you've been married or thinking about getting married, the preacher's going to come up there on that day and make you vow to say, until death do us part. That's a lifetime commitment. You have a choice about those, but once you make them, you're in. Well, often our commitment to a thing called sin can also have consequences. Or our engaging in it can turn into a commitment that's longer than we intended. The Bible says that we've all sinned. So we've all done something that separates us from God's best. But some sin will have consequences that will carry us forward. Maybe where we don't want to go. Maybe a harsh word that ends a friendship. Maybe a moment given to lust that leads to a destroyed generation in a family. Or maybe an act of theft that leads to a decade of in confinement. See, whenever we take the step into sin, sometimes it lasts longer than we mean to. But if we want to say so long to sin, sometimes we need something supernatural. In fact, the Bible teaches we have to have the interaction of Jesus. And so today, we're going to look at what the Bible says about saying so long to sin and taking the new life. You got a Bible? I invite you to open it. If you got the Bible app, I invite you to turn it on. If you texted here, I invite you to click the second link to our online worship guide. We're going to read through this passage. It comes from Romans 6. While you're looking up that, Romans was a letter or an epistle. You'll hear that term, epistle. It just means a letter written, and it was written by the Apostle Paul, who was thought to be in the town of Corinth, Greece, around 57 A.D., so not long, maybe a couple of decades after Jesus' death and resurrection. And Paul's writing to the Christians that are in the city of Rome. And he's writing this letter in hopes that sooner or later he'll get to see them. The theme of the letter, the whole letter of the book of Romans, N.T. Wright says is about God's righteousness. Writing the injustice or evil done by the fallen humanity. We know that evil as sin, no matter who perpetrates it. 
And to the church in Rome, there was a, a big secular power, a mighty government, right? Emperors, and so much so that a lot of people in Rome equated that emperor or Caesar's power with even being divine. And so they would take care of the injustice. And so there was a temptation of the Christians and everybody to follow that power instead of following Jesus. Even conflict within the Roman government and the Christians. Nero, who came to power in that, uh, around the 50s AD, would eventually come to blame Christians for the great Roman fire that destroyed so much of the city. And so it's against that temptation to rely on the cult of secular power or to crumble under the cultural wars or conflicts. Paul writes to encourage them, God's righteousness is available to you. First for the Jew and then for the Gentile or the non-Jew. And so we're going to pick up Romans, the book of Romans in chapter 6 and begin reading in verse 12 and how it talks about breaking free from sin. Romans 12, or excuse me, Romans 6, let me say that clear, Romans 6 beginning in verse 12. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Verse 15. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey, whatever ride you get on you're committed to? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God, once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you're free from your slavery to sin and have become slaves to righteous living. Verse 19, because of the weakness of your human nature, I'm using this illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led even deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. Verse 20, When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves to God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. Verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God, and we say, thanks be to God. When verse 13, Paul declares this, for you are dead, but now you have new life. Dead, as verse 23, because the wages of sin are death. Given new life because of the new covenant that's offered to everyone who repents of their sin and believes in the perfect life, the guiltless death, and the resurrection of Jesus. The old has gone and the new life has begun, as Paul would write in the book of 2 Corinthians 
chapter 5. You don't create that new life. It's a gift that God is offering to everyone. You simply have to receive it and then live into it. Then in verse 16, Paul compares continuing to intentionally sin to enslaving yourself to something that will absolutely control your whole life, absolutely lead to destruction. Who in their right mind would say, I'm going to willingly give in to that? And so let's look at this passage in more depth, how we might say so long to sin and take the new life. In your worship bulletin or your online worship guide, you can follow along with these points. Reference the scriptures later and take notes that might be helpful to you. Number one, take the new life by grace. Take the new life by grace. Romans 6, 14 says, Sin is no longer your master, for you are no longer under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. God's righteousness involves this theme of liberation. Liberated from sin, not by an inheritance, excuse me, and you adhere to the law. That's not how you get to be liberated, but by receiving grace through relationship with God. Grace is when God gives you the good even though you deserve the bad or the punishment. The law condemned everyone. For not one was righteous. But grace is offered to save everyone, even though no one is righteous, but through faith in Jesus. When you repent and believe in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, that justifying power breaks the bond of sin. It breaks the consequences, the wages of sin being death. It breaks that punishment or eternal punishment for you. It also breaks the, the inclination to sin where you can live a life when you follow Jesus perfectly, where you can say no to sin, where your eyes are fixed on the prize, so to speak, of following Jesus, and you're not distracted. It removes the eternal consequences. It removes the bondage to repeat sin. But it may not remove all the consequences from past sin. You may still have those consequences impact your life here on earth. I don't know if you've ever had a dislocated joint. Anybody ever dislocated a finger, finger or shoulder or elbow? I've seen some nasty dislocations. And some people say that's a little bit like sin is in our life. We're made not to sin. And when we sin, it's something that's getting dislocated or disjointed in our life as God perfectly created us to live. I had a knee dislocation when I was playing basketball in school. Probably the most painful injury I've ever had. Oh, and it's, oh, I just get chills even now thinking about it. It's like, you ever see dislocations? And if you've experienced one, it hurts. I think in the moment, while it was, well, it was actually close to an hour, while it was dislocated, I made more commitments to God if he'd relieve that pain. God, if you'll take it away, I'll do anything. I don't know if he's finally catching up with those commitments in my life. More than I've made before or since then. But when I got to the doctor and the doctor put my kneecap back into place, it was such a relief. Like that pain just, I was like, whoo, that feels so much better because it went from this awful pain to back in place. I thought, man, I'm going to jump up, and I'm going to run out of here, and I'm going to be able to play basketball tomorrow. 
And I started to get up. <laughs> it was like you couldn't do anything because it created some damage in my knee, and it stayed swollen for weeks, and it had pain for weeks, and I couldn't walk for weeks without crutches or a splint. In a lot of ways, that's what sin does to our life. Even whenever it's back right with God, when your life is right and you remove the sin, there may be consequences that stay in your life. Right? The broken relationship from the sin you did may endure past when you've gotten right with God, even whenever you've gone back and tried to make restitution. And so know that you're still in God's grace if you're suffering from the consequences of prior sin. Keep leaning into that and receiving God's grace and keep working towards restoring those relationships where you've done bad. When you're saved by grace, you are right with God. You're no longer condemned to hell, even if you're experiencing some of the swelling or the aching or the carrying on of those past sins. So take the new life by grace. Number two, take the new life of holiness. Take the new life of holiness. Now, holiness gets a bad rap, right? You hear people say, oh, you just think you're holier than thou, right? Well, God says holiness is what you're created for. Listen to this. Verse 19 says, I'm using this illustration of slavery to help you understand this. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. Just as sin can and does enslave you, Paul commands you to be enslaved to holy living. Yet you don't get holy by focusing on avoiding sin. You get holiness or it results from an ongoing encounter with God. You see, you, you quit being enamored or being focused on sin and you start being focused on God and as you're drawn to God, it takes you further and further away. And that sin in your life. And so Paul writes in other places, when I try to give up sin and think about it, that's all I think about, right? But when I focus on God, when I continually encounter God, that's whenever I leave sin behind. If I ever push you as a church attender or member here as a follower of Jesus, it's to continually worship, to be in church to continually pray, to be a part of a grow group where you're cl growing closer to God and to others, to serve on a team where you're serving the church and others through the gifts and abilities and heart and passion that God is giving you, to reach out to share the love and the truth of Christ to others. It's because in doing those things, that's what draws you to God. We call those the means of grace. The founder of Methodist movement, John Wesley, describes those as the things where God shows up. When we do them and we get closer to God. In his sermon, The Means of Grace, Wesley says, I understand them as outward signs, words or actions ordained by God and appointed for this end. To be the ordinary channels whereby God might convey to men prevenient, justifying, and sanctifying grace. The chief of these are prayer, whether in secret or in a great congregation, searching the scriptures, which includes reading or hearing or meditating thereon, and on receiving the Lord's Supper. And he goes on to describe more of those. It's in the practice of our means of grace, when we live into our encounters with God, that we can leave sin behind. 
If our only focus is don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, that's all that's on our mind. But if our focus is on what next, God? What next, God? What next, God? And we respond to those with steps closer and closer to God. Those counters, holiness is the result. So take the new life of holiness. And number three, take the new life for eternity. Take the new life for eternity. Romans 6, reads, But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves to God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. Theologian N.T. Wright says that God's righteousness is presented to the audience of this letter that they may be led through their wilderness of their present life like the Hebrew people were led by the Torah or the law, but now by the Spirit of God. And they look to the inheritance which will consist of the entire redemption of all creation. God's righteousness is presented to the first audience of the letter to the Romans. God's righteousness is presented to us here today. Our life, when we follow Jesus, becomes eternal. Our life goes into the presence of God, and our impact to others can also be eternal. The hundreds or maybe even thousands of others in the course of our life and for eternity. I've got a picture of one of my favorite trees the giant sequoia tree. Do you see the little guy there? That's a full-size person. And the giant, y'all know the giant sequoia trees, right? They say that this particular giant sequoia tree is older than the book of Romans. It's still living. So that was written like 2,000 years ago. It's actually, it says it's older than the Roman Empire. This tree, they estimate, is 2,700 years old. That's old. 300 feet tall, dozens of feet wide, and because of its bark and other defense mechanisms, it's withstood certainly fires that have ripped through and tried to destroy it. It's a, a life that's had impact as a tree. It's a pretty good metaphor if you think about it. It one day began as just a little seedling, right? 2,700 years ago, it was a little seedling. And through its life lived, it's had an impact that now still stands. It's amazing to think that that simple seedling came to a new life and a life that's endured. Ralph Waldo Emerson wrote, The creation of a thousand forests is contained in one acorn. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? If you think about it, one acorn be grown into a tree and it produced a number of other acorns and they spread and over years and years that it turns into a forest and into multiple forests. That's the theme of a fruitful life for you when you follow Jesus, for us as a church, for us to live that life from now on. Life empowered by God's Spirit. Life that puts off sin and puts on the means of grace. Life that inspires new life in others. This week I had the privilege of getting to go with some of our youth on their mission adventure week. I don't know what the name of it was. Oh, I didn't go all week. I got to go one day. 
They went to different places and did projects to serve others. And on Wednesday, I got to go with them where they went and did one of our Project 12s or a kindness project that does a simple illustration of kindness to point people to the truth of Jesus and his love and his church. And so seven youth and a few of us adults went to Grand River, the uh, shopping center, and, and met and shared the kindness of Jesus and his truth with over 100 people. That's pretty good. Some folks took the candy, like a candy bar that they taped on there, a card that says, a simple illustration of God's love, no strings attached. And on the back, it's got our church address and service times. Some people took it and be like, whew, I can get through the day. I don't get a lunch break. This candy bar is going to help me get through the day. So it was a good little treat. A few people said, no, 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 I don't, I don't want anything. I'm, no thanks. And a few people said, you know, this is helpful. One guy said, can you just pray with me? Pray for a blessing for my family. Another lady says, I needed this today. I needed to know God still cared about me because I'm hurting. It was the first week with other kids that were staying with the other spouse after a separation. I said, you know what? God loves you and this candy proves it. And it's the truth that God does love you. And it's the truth that God wants you to share that with others. And so when you live the new life, it's a life that's lived to share that, that your acorn of faith might grow in your life into a big tree. And that tree might produce other acorns or pine cones or whatever it is. They may be spread far and wide, have an impact in others that they might impact. That in your new life, as Emerson said, the creation of a thousand forests is in one acorn. May that be the case in your life today as you take the new life for eternity. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the good news of Jesus and thank you for the, the blessing of Epistle of Romans that gives us so much of a view into your righteousness. God, I pray that you would help us to take on, not to avoid sin, but to take on the grace that leads us to following you and thereby put behind us sin and move on to holiness. God, I pray that in that you would also give us life that would inspire and share life with others. We see that impacting in dozens and hundreds. impacting in our families and our community and the millions around the world would know proclaim the name of Jesus as Savior and Lord it's in his holy name we pray Amen Thanks for listening to our podcast we would love for you to visit us in person at 8.45am for modern worship or at 11am for traditional worship if you would like to plan a visit, simply text the word CONNECT to the number 205-772-4906 and you'll be sent a link to get you started. Thanks again, and God bless.